there's a reason you chose it at some point. And even though it's no longer a fit or you've seen things and grown in a way that, that causes you to know it's not for you anymore, finding the moments of beauty, it, it's... Hello and welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I am so glad you have found your way here. My guest today is Eileen March. Eileen is an energy coach, healer, and cyclical living guide. After leaving a career in midwifery that left her burnt out and depleted, Eileen has dedicated herself to supporting her clients to find the courage to rest and prioritize their own needs without feeling guilty about it so that they can feel more in control of their lives. She does this with a blend of coaching, energy healing, and helping women reconnect with the cyclical wisdom of their bodies and the earth. She also works with women in her signature 12-week one-to-one mentorship program, Rekindled. In addition, Eileen hosts women's circles both online and in person, honoring the Wheel of the Year celebrations. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Oh, it is my pleasure as well. I am glad you could be here with us. I am really looking forward to this conversation, which is focused on what to do when you know you have to leave in order to find that joy. And that question in combination with your uh, expertise in so many different areas really adds up to, I think, a different answer than our listeners ha will have heard at all before. So thank you for being here. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. As I said, I'm excited to dive in. Excellent. So um, let's talk about before we get to that part where we know we have to leave. Let's talk about how do we know? How do we know what action is needed when we're clear that we're very unhappy in a situation? I think that the starting point is always sitting in stillness with ourselves and some introspection because there are so many layers and sometimes what feels like the issue is or the situation is isn't actually the problem or, or what is causing the unhappiness. And so being able to meditate or journal or investigate the different areas that make up our lives to see how they're filling us up or depleting us is a really important first step on that on that journey for sure. Mm, I love that. So always going back to yourself to really get those deeper answers. I love that. We talk a lot on, on Finding Your Spark again about that, about how do we uh, find those moments where we can really connect to ourselves. So that means that here we are, we've connected to ourselves. We've gotten some real answers. You have a knowing. You know that a big change is needed. Can you talk about that and, and just your experience with that and what that looks like? Yeah, for sure. And I'd like to bring in that context of my midwifery career. Um, I was saying before we hopped on to record that there's kind of, there was two phases for me of leaving situations that needed to be left. And the first was leaving a relationship. And 
before I had left that relationship, I thought that I hated my career and I needed to leave my career and that would make things better. And when I left the relationship, which is a story for another day, <laughs> um, I suddenly felt reinvigorated and loved my career again for a few years before, um, before COVID hit and really made it tough. And it was a long process of sitting with myself, sitting in fear of what the other side of leaving would look like for me. I didn't know what on earth I might do, but I got to a breaking point where I realized that my physical and mental health had to take a priority and I had to make that jump and say, I'm done. There's an end point. And yeah, for me, that point was in the middle of the night with a call where I was exhausted and I had to get out of bed and I snapped and like threw my phone across the room and hyperventilate cried all the way to the hospital and then pulled it together and spent all night with a client and thank goodness they had no idea. Um, they've since told me because I've shared this story before that they had no idea that I was that unwell. But for me, it wasn't, it was like I was missing the whispers and the whispers got louder and louder. And then it was like my whole body was screaming until I physically was screaming. Mm, I love the way that you have laid that out. I think that that is certainly my experience with all sorts of energy, right? If I ignore what's happening in my body, my mind, my spirit for long enough, it gets bigger and then it gets bigger, then it gets bigger. And it's interesting that along the way we find ways to make it better, right? Sometimes it's the last uh, toothpick on the pile, right? And other times then you get rid of the thing, the other things that are the, in the pile, like the relationship or whatever. And, and there really is some sense of like, it's okay for now. But is it okay forever? Is it okay for this is how I'm spending my life energy? I mean, it's such a big deal that we come to this world and that we, we you know, have this time and we only have so much energy, right? And so we all have different amounts of time maybe, but the energy to do the things depends in large part on whether we are able to flow energy, right? And on whether we're able to say, yes, this is the thing. I love to do it. I'm in alignment with it. And uh, and I'm willing to make those changes to make sure that I'm in alignment with it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that is a, that's a really powerful story. What did that shift look like for you? It took me some time to... I mean, it was like a breaking point. So I did have to uh, like decide, I'm, okay, I'm out. This is it. This is enough. But, but then it wasn't immediate. Like that happened, I think, in March or April. And I didn't finish practicing as a midwife until December of that year. And it was one of those places of, um, I wrote a lot about this fear of failure and how I was afraid to leave this career I'd worked so hard to, for. I worked hard to get into school. I worked hard to graduate school. And then I worked hard as a midwife and my whole identity was wrapped up in it. And 
so that was a that was a lot of untangling and pulling the pieces apart and it's not until very recently that I've stopped introducing myself as and a retired midwife <laughs> because it it felt like such a big piece of who I was and and it brings to mind the fact that so many of us will stay in a situation that is no longer filling us with joy or even it, it might be quite the opposite and really, really harming us, but we'll stay for fear of judgment, for fear of feeling like a failure, for fear of losing our identity because we don't know what's on the other side. And there's a little bit of that, like, I'm strong enough to do this. Like, why am I such a, a weakling? Like all these other people are, are still doing it. Um, and so, yeah, the shift was the shift out of that mentality was slow and there are still layers and I'm still grieving every now and then it bubbles up and surprises me and I have to sit with it again. But it, it took making a decision and then telling people when I was going to be done so that then there was the fear of going back on my word <laughs> to kind of help push me through. I, I really relate to this. So I went through a, a a massive change. I call it going through the portal of change. Um, and it was thrust upon me as opposed to me having to actually decide this most recent um, really giant change in my life where uh, my husband passed away, my house sold, my coaching practice had been on pause in order to, you know, help with all of that. And so I had, I went from like, I have this life and it's in this state and it's in this house and it's right. And there was a lot of identity wrapped up in it. And the unraveling of the identity for me, uh, it really took time. It really, I didn't know that I had so much, like I didn't even really, I didn't feel that related to the fact that I lived in a 250 year old house that was a bed and breakfast. Like to me, it was just sort of like this little annoyance that got in the way, right? And it was my husband's business primarily. Of course I helped with it every day, but uh, it really wasn't my full responsibility. And I had all of these other things filling out my life. So, um, I didn't I didn't think one thing about it. And then uh, it came time for me to get rid of the phone number for it, you know, and I was like, mm, I don't I don't think I should do that. Right? Ooh, <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think we should just wait a minute. <laughs> right. Or even the website. Like, I, I don't think I should close the website. Now, I have sold the building at this point. There is no better. It doesn't exist. Right. There isn't. But there was sentimental attachment to who I had been. And we, we do that, we become sentimentally attached to things that are not even pleasurable, right? That sometimes they are even things that we wish we could change, <laughs> but still our identity is tied up. And I think that for me, that's where that pride piece comes in that you were talking about, right? That, yeah. um, that well, I, I'm, I can do it. I am just as strong as everybody else. Why, why wouldn't I be able to do it? I can stand another 10 years of something I hate. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and so that's, that, those, that work, it takes a pretty sophisticated level of spiritual work and tuning into your body and getting this highly kind of sophisticated relationship between body, mind and spirit. 
now you were were you already practicing all of the pieces that you're practicing now and so you had a base or did you have to figure that out it was a bit concurrent so i had um started a coaching program it was a nine-month program in the september the year before i left midwifery and so i was starting to be like oh i might be able to do this someday down the road um, and I had entered into a year long energy healers. It's called wild medicine woman training at the beginning of that same year. So I had the pieces building, but I was very new to it. And it felt like a, a bit of a leap of faith to, to make that shift. And there was, when I actually did it, it there was that piece that was so elated and and there was the other piece that you you spoke to those sentimental pieces that sat there i'd love to speak to kind of that that grief layer even when we know that something is good for us and even when we are so much happier on the other side there is still grief and room for it and i I do think that having the tools, even though they were baby tools at the time for me, they weren't as well developed as, as I've got them to now, was so important. But also having mentors, coaches, friends, people to support me in that as well was a really important piece of, of the transition, of being able to make it with grace. And I don't know if it felt easy, but... <laughs> It felt exhilarating <laughs> and terrifying, which are very similar emotions. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when I wasn't terrified, whoo, was it exhilarating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. <that's> great. <laughs> um, well, I think it's so important that you bring up that we have to do this find a way to do this inner work and the way can change it can be it can you know everybody finds their way uh of course uh you know eileen and i both think that our way is the best way um certainly depending on which um w what exactly you're going through but to get tools is the most important get tools that you can relate to get tools that fit in your life in a way that you say okay yeah i i can do that and sometimes it's the tiniest little thing right sometimes people start with um, behavior modification sometimes they start with thought replacement sometimes they dive right in the deep end right and they end up in an energy program or even when my i've been a coach for many many years and my when my husband passed away i took uh I bet it was nine months and uh, went through uh, my back to my spiritual teachers. I went through all of those programs again. I let them carry me during that time and I let it open me to a new level of knowing myself, a new level of getting to be in the world in a more vulnerable way and uh and all of that couldn't have happened if I wasn't in touch with somebody. So I, I think that's really, really important. Um, let me ask you, how do people, how do they normally reach out to you? Not, not to say like, of course, on a website or something, but what is that moment that they're, that they're reaching out and saying, yes, I'm, I'm ready 
to lean in to this um, energy of change. Several of my clients feel like they've reached that tipping point and are, are finding the need for some support through it. I've recently started speaking more openly about my identity as a witch. <laughs> so that's been a really interesting shift because I'm getting so many people coming through being like, I'm really curious, but I'm really kind of skeptical or I'm really like shy to even admit I'm curious about this. What do you mean? How can we work together with this? And so you, you mentioned that vulnerability of this, you know, stepping into the support of spiritual tools. And I feel like I've opened that door for myself of vulnerability and it's allowing other people to get curious and find me as a safe space to land and to come ask their questions and to, um, yeah, to engage with that word and what it is, what does it mean? especially because it's it's something that's becoming more and more spoken about. Like I was in Victoria a few weeks ago and I heard this couple walk by. I'm not sure they were like an intimate couple, but the gal said to the guy, were you with us when we went to that witch store a few weeks ago? And he was like, oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe. And just the fact that w that witch store is a thing and that a man couldn't remember if he'd been to that particular one because he'd been to a bunch tells us that there's... Yeah there's something here. We're, we're seeing a shift. So yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, about witchcraft. Let's talk a little bit about like, what does that mean, uh, in terms of spiritual work? How does that inform the work? Yeah. So one thing I'd like to make clear is that I am, I'm not a Wiccan. I do not practice the religion of Wicca. Um, but I call myself a witch. And for me, that's to do with uh, my connection to nature, my connection to the ancestors, my connection to the cyclical rhythms of our bodies and, and the natural world. And it kind of harkens back to that pre-15th century, let's brand them the witch, <laughs> women's knowledge. And that's, yeah, that's the whole of it for me. It feels like it encompasses all these different strands that I was trying to pull together, that deep wisdom, that knowing in my bones that there is connection between all of us and everything living and non-living on this planet that we inhabit. I love that you define it that way. I think that um, uh, regardless of the word that we use to encapsulate that, to to really heighten the awareness of our connection to our planet is so important to the rhythms of ourselves right I th a lot of times uh, we get into certain uh, moods and we get into certain patterns and we think to ourselves i don't know why that's happening <laughs> Right. And and we maybe are not uh, connected to the people who are talking about what's happening with the Schumann wave or what's happening when you go out in nature or how exactly what's the new study on how trees are connected or, you know, any of those things that we we have this we have this researched now and we have this as uh, ancestral knowledge in so many different places, right? We can find it in, in find the word that relates to you, right? And, and, and get that. Um, 
Did you really have that sense of cycle before you became a coach or was that something that came with the coaching? I think there was an undercurrent of knowing for me, but one that I resisted because of living in the culture we live in. I've been very into nature and being in my garden for a long time. I I keep a veggie garden and I grow flowers. And so that piece of the cycle of the year and, and the energies of it were very present for me. But the pieces around using the different energies of the year in how I show up in my life and my work, that has come since tuning in and starting to hold the wheel of the year ceremonies. I really started those for me because I was like, I need to <laughs> get with the program <laughs> and and allowing more rest and sleep and less social engagement in the winter and ha- having more creative outward facing projects happening in the summer. Um, all of those pieces tie in and I'm really honing them because that's what I'm teaching. And so I'm working to embody them very much for my own self as well. And then on the smaller cycles, the circle or the cyclical nature of the moon and her energies and my own menstrual cycle and those energies as well, which are like mini, mini versions of the whole year. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so let's talk about how those cycles, because we're, we're talking about this energy of what to do when you know you have to change, you have to make a a big change, got to leave in order to get back to your true self, in order to be able to find that um, spirit level joy. And uh, and here we are living in a physical experience. So can we talk a little bit about how do you, how do those two things impact each other? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. A big change is going to shift our balance and our centeredness in ourselves, no matter whether it's a positive or a negative change. And so on the other side of a big change, I would almost consider that a wintering period. There will be that time to go inwards, to hibernate, to reconnect to yourself followed by the spring, like the new emergence. Oh my goodness, this is so joyful on this side. (laughs) And kind of moving on through to the summer of expansion and love and then autumn kind of turning back in again and and seeing where you've come from and and taking stock of where, of how, how much has changed. So that would be one way to work with it within the cycles. It would also be, you know, if you have control over when a big change is happening, choosing a time of the month or the time of the year where you know you're going to have the most energy to uh, do so, or maybe the most space and time to simply rest and grieve if that's the piece that's going to be more important for you. If it's a difficult decision and you're going to be grieving hard on the other side, maybe you want to do that in the winter when it's dark and you get to sleep and it's cozy and there's nobody you know, asking you out every two days or judging you if you're doing a little bit less. I I love that you're thinking of it in terms of your personal energy. And I will say that um, I have certainly had people come to me and say, I want to make this big change. I tuned in. I know that the big change should happen at this other time, right? I either am busy right now or 
I uh, simply don't have the energy, right? So they've done sort of a, a similar work there, uh, but they don't let it go. So they've put this in the future and they haven't said, okay, that means I'm going to live with it the way it is. So is there any way that um, you can talk a little bit about how do we go through the, the rhythm of the change itself in a peaceful way, right? It has a, it has a pace, right? And isn't it always that when you want to break up with someone or, or right, you need to have that serious conversation, they're not available for a while, you know? Um, so how do we go through that rhythm and, and still be okay inside? I love that you asked this question. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's very, very relevant. I, I have a client right now who's um, who's a midwife, and I told her that she's considering leaving. And I told her that the day you decide to leave, it's a little bit like the woman in labor who has been coping really, really well. And then she decides that, you know what? No, she's not coping anymore. She needs that epidural. But she's been, until that point, she copes beautifully. Decides she needs it, great, no problem. But then the wait for the epidural, it's like coping is off. <laughs> the decision has been made. I needed that epidural five minutes ago. And so that that's the same with a big change where you're like, okay, I've made the decision to be done or to leave, but I can't do it right today. Like I can't just ditch my job and all my colleagues. I can't just, you know, leave this relationship if you've got kids or something. If there's something keeping you there for a time, those coping mechanisms and those ways to integrate and slowly work towards that change are so important. And I would say that a few of the most important tools are reconnecting with the simple joys and pleasures that do exist in your life, whether they be in that job, in that relationship. For me personally, as an example, I allowed myself to really get into the moment every time I got called to a birth and say, you know what, it's two in the morning and I don't want to be up. However, this is a beautiful, magical thing that I get to experience and I'm not going to get to experience it many more times. And so this can be a bit of a bittersweet process, but it really helped me cope with the fact that I was awake at two in the morning and instead of railing against the fact that I didn't want to be, allowed me to find some joy in it. I love that feeling you're talking about, I think you're talking about... Um instead of letting it solidify, I am so right. I cannot wait to leave, right? Because that's that's a tendency that we have is like, we made this decision, we know it's right. And then every time we have to do the thing that we hate doing um, or the, live through the conditions that, we're, that are uncomfortable, uh, we go like, yes, I really want to leave. I really, really want to leave. Um, and making that shift, what a beautiful... Uh, concept of how to do that right is making that shift into yes these this is the last few moments of the life of that I've been living and the life that I chose and I loved it at some point and I I love certain parts of it right and they are magical and they are interesting no and this I think applies no matter what you're doing I I certainly I worked in a corporate situation for a long time and there was a lot of time at the end where I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be doing this in a little while, right? And, uh, 
And it didn't change the fact that I had to live through two more years of it, right? And so how do you do that and not be bitter? And, and really shifting that focus to, there are so many beautiful moments. Yeah, and nothing is black and white. No experience in life is wholly good or wholly bad. And especially if it's something that you chose, I love that you made that point. There's a reason you chose it at some point. And even though it's no longer a fit or you've seen things and grown in a way that that causes you to know it's not for you anymore, finding the moments of beauty, it's it was the easiest way for me to to keep going because once I made that decision, yeah, you have to keep going. <laughs> for me, it was for months. And I knew that I couldn't live in that kind of agony state that I was in prior to making the decision. Yeah, it's an excellent description, although I've never thought of it in these words, of my experience after my husband passed away. That, um, that, that reaching for joy, reaching for beautiful moments, reaching for... Uh, the magical and the mystical and also just the calm right to 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 allow myself to go into those spaces in every moment that I could because grief will just whip you around (laughs) you know you're not gonna not grieve trust me (laughs) it's gonna get a hold of you at some point right and um and but but to to be able to in those moments of calm you know it kind of reminds me of the the eye of the storm, right? When you when you do have those few moments to catch your breath, to feel better, to find a way to uh, to enjoy that you are still there, that you're still participating in the world, that you're uh, that you get to be with the people that you're with, or whatever it is that you can really enjoy about that. So important in that process of of change, of grief and change, yeah. And, and when there's when there's very little to find joy in in the situation too, I find joy in nature and the beauty that is there. No matter what's going on inside, you know, sun sunbeams are still beautiful and flowers are still beautiful and the snow sparkling in winter is still beautiful and anchoring into that if there's nothing else to anchor into can be so helpful. Well, this has been really a great conversation and enlightening on many fronts. So I want to, first of all, just thank you for being here, Eileen. I also want to uh, make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with you. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, and I, I know this will all be linked in the show notes too, so that you don't have to write it down if you're driving or something. Please don't um, keep your eyes on the road. Um, but yeah, I, the, the two best ways to get a hold of me, Instagram is kind of where I hang out. It's where I, I do a lot of my engagement. And so my luminous life underscore is my Instagram handle. Uh, and I have a website, myluminouslife.ca and, a, and an email list there. My email is at the bottom of I think every page, um, but you can always get a hold of me that way as well. And yeah, as Donalyn mentioned, I do the Wheel of the Year ceremonies for women. Um, they're women's circles, and I do those online and in person. So I'm in Calgary, Canada, so that's probably not where most of your listeners are coming in from, but I do them online as well. And it's really lovely, a lovely way to connect in. And uh, and I work one-on-one with clients also inside of uh, Rekindled, which is my signature one-on-one 12-week program to 
rekindle that inner hearth fire and come home to yourself and your joy. And it's a balance of coaching and energy healing kind of tailored to the situation that you're in and where you're going. Really nice. And those, uh, can people get to those through your uh, website? You post them yeah, on your they website? Can, they're, they're on my website. They're linked in my bio on Instagram as well through Linktree. I, I am in charge of my social media. So if you message me on there, it's me answering you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You have a, a lovely story and uh, I really appreciate getting to hear it and to explore it here today. Thank you. I really appreciate having the opportunity to chat. It was really lovely to connect. I also want to remind our listeners that you can go to unbreakable.guide in order to get the free guide to becoming unbreakable. And that, I will say, it will take you through a framework that will let you kind of jigger your brain around a little bit so that it will participate nicely with your desires in order to go in a direction you're trying to go. So uh, definitely pick that up and I look forward to seeing you next time.